0: special edition of the rough dress podcast uh it's it's post lcs finals europe's all done and gone north america's all gone and done um lms is all gone and done L, you know L, everyone is all gone and done but the lpl like lpl yeah. for some inexplicable reason decided they had to go an extra week um <laughs> so they're now becoming the new europe that's that's all i have to say about that uh china is the new europe they just need their extra week in the spotlight because why would you watch china when you could watch korea and why would you watch the lms when you could watch korea so and i know that last one just hit home with my co-host as he as he kind of nods his head in semi-agreement chase the lms apologist redshirt king Wasenaar. chase how are you doing today Walter, we're about to
1: podcast on North America and Europe. If we want to take cheap shots at irrelevant regions, then we shouldn't be doing this podcast. So, sure, maybe Taiwan doesn't hold up to Korea, but nothing does. And I think that this week's matches, we've seen that this is just where these regions are right now. It it feels like we've stagnated. And it doesn't necessarily mean that it's always going to be this way, but certainly... I I think we both had hopes for where this particular week would go and it just unfortunately fell a little bit flat. It it just wasn't necessarily the series that I I think we were hoping to see and that we expected
0: to see. Surprisingly, you sound kind of down on the outcomes of the finals. I'm not down on it. I thought there were some some pretty entertaining matches, but you know, Chase, if I really wanted to take, you know, cheap shots, I would just say look above my head at our Guess aligned scoreboard and who's the champion? <sighs> Who won? Who made the finals week completely irrelevant of picks because he took care of business on day 1 and is your reigning <sighs> Guesseline's champion. If I wanted to take a pot shot, like I could do something like that, you know? But Yeah, it's
1: uh, good good thing you didn't do that. That would have been Yeah, That would have been cheap. Good good
0: thing I didn't do that. Uh, (laughs) Speaking of not doing something, uh, Europe. Yeah. So, Europe, uh, everyone kind of posed a challenge to you at the beginning of the split, and they said, listen, there's one amazing superstar team in your region, but they suck at international events. So if, like, any of you could not let them go to MSI – that would be great, like that's your only goal. I don't care which one of you does it, but one of y'all need to knock G2 off of their pedestal because none of us want to watch them at another international event. Uh, and then we saw them at the IEM World Championships and they got to the finals where they got absolutely massacred by the Flash Wolves of the LMS. Yeah. And then we're like, okay, guys, like we get it, first half of the season, you're figuring everything out, it's all good. But seriously, like, one of y'all need to beat G2 because watching them on the international stage makes us physically ill. And Europe was like, we got you, fam. And then uh, they went undefeated for – uh, they, they didn't lose a series for 400 days in Europe. And it took freaking hat to break that streak. And I think when that happened, all of us went, oh, my God, they're going to win Europe again. They're going to win Europe again. And, uh, and they did. And I guess the only consolation prize is they also didn't get the MVP award. Uh, Trick did not get it this year and probably what's the snub of the century when it comes to eSports. It went to visit So Chase, being so down and being the European expert on this show, what happened to Europe?
1: Look, I I, want to make something clear. I I don't want to be this negative Nancy who's like, oh yeah, everything sucks. It's very easy to get caught up in that negativity, right? If you've been on Twitter during live events... It's very easy to, that you see all of these analysts who are going, oh man, this is bad, this is wrong, this is stupid. And, and to be fair, there were moments like that in this series. I think the Nidocorns of Love in particular, uh, you look at Hillasang's positioning and mm-hmm. you have a lot of question marks. And I think they're fair questions that deserve to be asked. However, there is also value in the fact that G2 are the team that we thought they were. And that team is a strong team. Expect in game one was a monster on Gangplank. Absolutely loved everything about that performance. I love the little pentagram he made with the barrels. He's earned a fandom from me basically for the rest of time. I love seeing players be willing to have those kind of showboat moments. It, It adds character to these matches. It adds a personality that I think G2 is sorely lacking in to a certain extent. They've kind of been this mishmash of, well, we're willing to be the villains, but only so far because we really want to be liked. like, no, do the pentagram be the show-offs, make all the Unicorns of Love fans angry. I love it. Um, And I will say that the Unicorns of Love fans were great here. I loved seeing Romain get the entire crowd excited. He was really carrying a lot of those moments when it could have become a dull crowd and really keeping that energy going, keeping the momentum going. And Unicorns of Love fans are who we thought they were. They did a, you know, they're still as exciting and rambunctious as everything else. But at the end of the day, I, I have to look at this and say is G2 a substantially better team than the G2 that lost at IEM this year, than the G2 that struggled at Worlds, and the G2 that really struggled at MSI? and I I think the answer there is no and I I think we're at the point now where we've seen Unicorns of Love they barely are able to take a map against G2 historically they have struggled mightily against G2. That matchup is just something that they've never been able to find advantages with because G2 is smart enough to counter a lot of their rotations. They're able to see these tempo plays going and be there to stop it or to force fights that just make Unicorns of Love very uncomfortable or, as was the case in this series quite a bit, disengage from the Unicorns of Love fights such that Unicorns of Love had to spend all of their resources, get very little out of it, and then G2 could get the reengage and kind of snowball from there. And Unicorns of Love just didn't have an answer to disengage comp. And, and that's worrying for Unicorns of Love, they're gonna need to have a re-examination of what their system is trying to do because clearly it's not enough to get them over that final hurdle I think now that they have the money from Lagadier and everything else maybe this is the time to invest in a larger support staff get some more analysts in get different types of analysts in to kind of refine particular parts of their play style and add more versatility to that. Bring end. back
0: Diamond Prox as a coach like yeah, I'm, yeah. Totally, I'm, to- I'm totally all for it. This is, this is the weird thing to me because after the death of, of Gambit. Mm-hmm. I kind of aligned myself with G2. Purely because of Ocelot. And then this season. I really aligned myself with the Unicorns of Love. Because. Despite everything that's happened. Despite being a three time LCS champion. Three times in a row. Three peat. Never happened before any either of the LCS's. Despite having probably the best player in Europe. In Trick. Maybe the best player in the West. Mm-hmm. It just feels like. It felt like G2 is so forced as a brand that no one actually cares about G2 as a brand. Like, we we had this conversation with Heck, and even after this, I'm just... I just, like, they did the whole samurai thing, but at the end of the day, like, I didn't give a crap about G2 samurai being out there. I cared about Romaine being in, like, this awesome unicorn getup with, like, body paint and all this. Like, at the end of the day, Unicorns of Love lost... And I still cared about Unicorns of Love more. Maybe it was the crowd, the fact that it was, you know, in Hamburg, which is kind of like, um, um, you know, kind of Unicorns of Love backyard. That's like their home turf. When you're, you're yeah. talking about Hamburg, Yo said that he's from Hamburg. Um, you know, very German kind of oriented organization. And I, I don't know, like, what? Where does G two go from here? They've won Europe three times. Obviously, it's they need to perform on the international stage. But I just I where do they go from here what do they do well and this is the thing
1: with g2 that they're going to have to realize as far as how they're going to push the brand as far as how they're going to get over if you will to steal a term from the wwe the unicorns of love are super over you know fans love the excitement that they bring to games because casual fans they don't necessarily need the perfect refined gameplay they want Big moments. They want Visit Chachi going in and getting the hard carry in a team fight and being able to push these early uh, barons and seeing Xerxes do things like Warwick and whatever else. And the thing about G2, they're meta slaves. They just do what they need to do. They follow, you know, this is the way that people are winning on this patch and we're going to do that and that's all we're going to do. We don't have pocket picks. You know, if you were to go down the list, like, what's a pocket pick for G2? I guess you could say Trick playing the Rumble wasn't particularly expected, but it's not like Rumble Jungle hasn't been done before. It's not so far out of the meta. It is being played right now. Um, it's, you know, pretty extensively, depending on what region you're looking at. So what they need to do is just embrace the fact that people aren't going to like them very much. No one likes the team that just constantly shows up and just wins, especially when they do so so methodically. So, be the bad guys. Be like, you know what? It's not our fault that no one's good enough to deal with us. I would love to see Perk show up with something like that. I would love to see Sven and Mithy come out and say, look, we're the best bot lane in the league, and at this point, we don't know who's close. And and sure, maybe Fnatic can say they're close, but let's see how Fnatic did when the pressure was on against us. Oh, right, we destroyed them in that series. Like, that's the kind of thing that we need to have them say and have them, you know, go out and kind of push forward because the idea of like well we're this team that just works really hard and we just win games because we work really hard that's just not interesting it's good for them like from a gameplay perspective I I don't want their system to change (laughs) I don't think that changing what's working is going to make sense they're winning Europe for a reason but I I think that it's, it's going to be very hard to command fandom from people when You're the team that just wins all the time and and doing so in a relatively boring manner. There's nothing particularly exciting about watching G2 anymore unless you just want to focus on Trick. And Trick is still as amazing as he was. He's still the MVP as far as I'm concerned. I think this is a situation where it's kind of like when Karl Malone won the MVP over Michael Jordan. You just got tired of voting him in. That's fine. This wasn't his best split you can arguably say it was the weakest split he's had in a couple areas but he was still incredibly good and that's going to give g2 that playstyle that they're going to cling on to so that's not going to change so then your attitude about it needs to change the way you present that needs to change and i want to see more things like the video that we got when they got back from msi last year where they were making fun of like the we are lcs video and trashing everybody's logos i want to see that team because that team is going to be fun to hate. That's going to inspire at least emotion, which is something that would be, in my opinion, good for the brand. But you know what? G2's brand is doing fine. They've got teams in other esports that are still very popular. So maybe they don't care. I- I'm not particularly sure, but I'll put it this way: Mythy complaining about, well, we work hard. So like us guys, that's not going to get them any.
0: No, have person. Like that's the thing. Is like a team like the Spurs can get away with having no personalities because. They're, dec- like, they're decades, built, and the personality on that team is Popovich. Right. Like, maybe, maybe that's G2's game here is they're just not going to have personality with their players and they're going to totally rely on, well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you oh! okay, buddy?
0: Oh, God. Oh. Oh. Oh, excuse me. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. Oh, oh God. I was just about to say something nice about
1: Weldon. Yeah. <clears throat> it, it, I mean, well, set them up, man. That 20 to 40 oh. comment rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Oh. And, uh, you know, you can look at G2's early game in this series and say that they totally believe it. And how frustrating is that, that we have another team that's willing to just wait out the early game because as long as they keep it close, they know they can take it from there. That alone could be a thing. I'd love to see Joey Youngbuck back in and maybe being more of a personality there when he was on the copenhagen wolves he certainly had a chip on his shoulder and expressed
0: it in ways that you you can't you can't pull a chip on your shoulder when you've won three regional titles like that 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 doesn't happen anymore like i need arrogance now i need smug arrogance of like you're gonna go into this offseason like i want to see g2 do videos on every single other roster move and just like laugh Yeah, I just feel like, oh, you think that's... Like, I want them to go full heel. And I'm not sure that they want to go full heel because I just think that they're they're super focused on winning. But at some point, like, what does a regional title mean? Mm -hmm. Like, if you're the only team truly playing for it, what does it mean? So, and that's not their fault. That's the rest of Europe. I think the rest of Europe needs to kind of catch up to them.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is the thing that we we talk about all, all the time, right? Is that you need... For, for a region to improve, it can't just be one team. One team going to MSI and, and then being the top seed for Europe going to Worlds is not going to be enough to make the region as a whole better. You've got to have that second or third team that can really push this G2 team to be better than they are. I don't know who's really challenging them behind their heels and forcing them to adapt and change the team that they are. They're, they haven't had that crisis of identity moment where some team has come in and countered what they have to do and made them say hey you have to find another way to win you can't win this way we are able to scout these things out we're able to throw trick off we're able to do any of the things that have happened to them multiple times on the international stage until someone in Europe is able to do that and do so with at least a little bit of consistency I don't have to win every series but at least keep that close at least keep G2 honest I don't see what's going to exist in, in Europe that's going to make G2 better. I don't think anyone's pushing them to be a better team right now. And maybe pride will be enough for this MSI. I, I don't know. I, I know they already made a, you know, we're going to take a quick break, haha, vacation joke, which, good for them. You're allowed to do it. I, I don't know how seriously they're going to be taking MSI. But, I mean, I would, if I'm them, I, I feel like this I is a series know. that you'd take... I just, oh, come I just on. wouldn't go. I'd just
0: stay home. Screw well, come it. On now. Whatever. Doesn't matter.
1: It does for G2. I think if you want to get Europe behind you, the one thing you have to do is tell Europe we are not going to embarrass you on the world stage again. Because Europe does have... They just country embarrassed country. Europe on the world stage by winning their third title in a row! But you can say, like, if G2 wants to prove us wrong and say, no, we actually are better than the team we were last year, this is their chance to do it. And I guarantee you that a lot of the hate that comes from European fans right now is because they're the one representative that they get on the international stage for at least half of the year. And when they crumble, it says something about Europe as a region. For a region that had Origin make it to the semifinals in 2015, that had Fnatic make it to the semifinals. H2K last year! Yeah, H2K last year. They're proud of their status as a region. They're proud that they're not going to be playing in the MSI play-in that we're going to talk about towards the end of this podcast. Like They're, as a region, solid enough historically that that's not a concern for them. They're, they're already through to the main event. And Europeans care about that. There are a lot of rabid EU fans that really give a crap whether or not they're going to get through. And if they fall flat. The European fans are going to take that personally because they didn't just disappoint themselves. They disappointed the massive EU West player base. And I think that that's something where if ever MSI was going to truly matter, I I think this is a tournament G2 needs to do well at. If they go 2-8 again, I don't think they're ever getting EU fans. Like, I, I don't fair. see how they bounce back from three bad international performances and then tell them, no, don't worry, we're the best representatives for the region, though. That's not going to go over well.
0: I mean, that, that's, that's probably pretty fair. A uh, couple other pieces of news from Europe just to cover before MSI. Uh, Yamato Cannon out as the coach for Splice. I think that pretty much fits the narrative of how Yamato Cannon works as a coach. You bring him in for the first couple of splits. He's really good at developing players. And then at some point, you actually need someone who understands greater concept and macro strategy and a little bit more depth with building champion pools. So I think that was, like, he did fine on Splice. And I think it was just his time to move on. What are your yeah. thoughts?
1: I mean, yeah, I think that's uh, absolutely correct. I mean, we've brought up the idea of Yamato Canada as a starter coach uh, before. And I think that it's proven to be correct. I, I-, I don't think that he's a bad coach when it comes to the strategic end of things i just think he's a limited coach yes i think that there's a very particular meta in which his macro knowledge excels and that's the times that we've seen him on the desk you know we've seen him as an analyst before on that kind of in that kind of position and there is a region for it he does have some knowledge in that regard but it just doesn't carry over from meta to meta very well this season splice spent most of it looking off they just didn't have all the pieces come together and i think that When you look at the way they lost in the first round, that was the epitome of what Splice's season has been. They had opportunities. They should have been able to handle the series, and then they just fell apart by shooting themselves in the foot. And I think that if they want to be a a better team, if they want to be back to that top-tier team that they were, I think they need a new coach. I think it's going to be a move that benefits both parties in the long run. I think Yamato Cannon will do well. Uh, I'd like to see... Whoever buys Misfits Academy or Fnatic Academy, at least consider him for that, that. that, that role. That's what think. I was gonna say.
0: Yeah, I he's think to would be, be a good coach them. for one of them. Like he's gonna be the perfect coach for those two organizations when they come in, and as you know, first-time LCS teams. Probably Yamato mm-hmm. Cannon seems solid. He has all the connections that you need. Uh, the other bit of news: because Fnatic and Misfits Academies both got into the LCS, that means we'll be saying goodbye to two organizations from the European LCS: Giants Gaming and Orhian. Uh, we've already seen players on both rosters announce that they're open to other options. They're open to explore different teams, etc. And we've also seen XPK say that it is Orion's intentions to compete in the European Challenger Series. Okay, so what Ex-Pake. soccer team buys that spot?
1: Let it go. I'm gonna repeat this. Let it go. It's okay. You can go down as one of the best mid laners to ever play in Europe, and that's a fine legacy. That is, it is okay. You are a first ballot Hall of Fame player. When you finally retire and get out for whatever that Hall of Fame ends up being, you can discount him all you want. But there was never a season during his career which he was not a top three mid laner in Europe. He's always been
0: what? <laughs> what about less? What about Les? summer when he
1: played mid lane okay well he didn't play mid lane for all that long that's not saying. fair that's i mean saying. of the we're talking peak Xpeke. we're talking 2015 and beforehand when he was in his the prime when he was the real mid lane prime of his career playing full time that guy was a really good mid laner and i think that sure. certainly his personality the influence he had on the scene getting fanatic fans to buy in the Katavitsa moment he has so many of those historic moments you don't need to be a great owner, dude. Like Ocelot needed that kind of reinvention because his <laughs> career went down as the guy who was really good until he got beat at this one tournament, and he was never the same guy. Like that reinvention, that understanding of, of business yeah. and how to make that org work. Not everybody has that skill. Just because you don't have that skill, that's nothing to be embarrassed about. It's it's just means that you have a different path moving forward, but. Holding on to this is not going to make your life better, man. This is not... Origin's not going to suddenly become a well-run, well-organized organization that doesn't get fined tens of thousands of dollars because you can't fill out your paperwork properly. Like, you're just not good at this. Let it go. Let as, it
0: go. Uh, as the age-old Norse proverb says, let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Can't hold it back uh,
1: anymore, man. <laughs> just, like, just like I can't hold back my my feelings about North America, which I think we should get to because I don't think, I mean, unless you have strong feelings about Giants,
0: I I, I feel like we're beating a unicorn to death. That's yeah. just that's just I yeah I unicorn yeah Giants and Orient were not good teams to split and didn't deserve their spots.
1: So. Yeah, I don't think have, Memento.
0: I look forward to seeing go to a better team. Have have fun selling those spots to Spanish soccer teams. It'll be well worth it. Well worth yep. it. It
1: can, Fingers crossed. But, you know, we're going to shift now to North America, Walter. And I, I want to talk to you about Cloud9 versus TSM. Let's get the fan out of the way first, because you have, you're the TSM fanboy. We've established this on the podcast many an occasion. Do you want to talk about what your experience was watching this series? Because as someone who was on Discord with you throughout, I... I-, I thought it was an experience that the fans really need to understand and appreciate.
0: So, so first, I'm wearing my Buffalo, our teams are fine, burning shirt. <laughs> so I thought it was apropos for, for, this, uh, for this episode. Uh, the first two games was rip-roaring hilarity from me. I was openly cackling and just like, oh my god, I can't believe this is happening. We're so much better than them. Cloud9 is so awful. Cloud9 is so awful. And then I watched Game 3, and I was like, okay, like, I thought it was a 3-1 series. This is, this is fine. Uh, and then Game 4 happened. And um, <laughs> we won Games 1 and 2 in, like, an hour. Like, combined, it was an hour. It was an hour of me just laughing my head off and, like, the happiest person on the planet. And Games 3 and 4 just dragged on for frickin' ever. Uh, between the two of them, it was, it was, like, an hour forty. Uh, it was almost an hour and a half, and it was like an hour and a half of misery, of just me being absolutely miserable, uh, and I'm very thankful that my fiancé saved me uh, almost at the end of game four when she was like, listen, we really need to cook dinner, and, uh, and I was like, okay, yep, absolutely, and I went downstairs, and I cooked dinner, and I ate dinner, and I did not look at my cell phone, and I went for a walk with my new puppy. And uh, I didn't do anything, and I was out staring across Lake Ontario, I was out on the pier with the puppy and my fiancé, and I finally had the balls to look down at my phone, and I saw TSM1, and it was like all the clouds above the lake just kind of disappeared, and there was a single ray of sunshine that formed a perfect circle, and inside the circle was the TSM logo, and, uh, and I just tweeted, nice. Nice. <laughs> so a lot. and then I came home and I watched Game Five and I'm really glad I didn't watch Game Five live because um, I probably would have needed a, def- a defibrillator. Um, yeah, I think that's fair. Both I, I teams think... looked like shit, right? Can I be honest? Both teams <laughs> looked horrendous. This was a really bad series. That was a re- that was a really just. I don't know if it was on purpose that both teams are just that bad in the early game that it's like you need it's just like let's just get in the mud let's just play this just really grimy gritty solo qs game because we know the other team's really good at team fighting let's just try and like just change up the pace and just it was just so sloppy yes like across the board it just i feel way better about when we get double lift back in the off season. When he comes back for summer, like Hodge is massively improved. I thought Biofrost improved over the course of the split. Like he's gonna get back one of the best eighty carries in, in Western history. Uh, we're gonna get back our, a a solid shot caller. Like we're gonna gain back that ability to we can play for laning phase and dominate the laning phase, and then we also will have this really strong late game kind of macro shot calling aspect. And sure, there's gonna be moments where double lift does stupid things like goes and split pushes against a Malzahar with no QSS just for some inexplicable reason, or ease into a Victor to try and kill them when it's a Victor and all he has to do is press Q auto attack and you die. Like I, those moments are going to happen, but I gotta think it'll be cleaner if you have three of the top players at their positions. It's got to be a cleaner game, right? Like you would think, and and this <sighs> is one of those things
1: where if I'm going to talk about stagnation in Europe. We have to look at the fact that TSM, without double lift, just won North America, again. And at this point, it's like, well, what do we do? Why? How is it that we still have TSM versus Cloud9 in the finals? Like this was the sixth time apparently we miscounted last week. Six times. It is times? six,
0: not five. Yep.
1: And we've only seen nine finals. That's a hu- Like, we're talking two-thirds of the time. This is what we get. Yeah. One of them involved Good Game University, which, you know, shout-out to them, but I don't think that spring season is something we could really compare to the modern game. No, you can't. This is, this is hugely concerning for me because if these two teams playing as sloppily as they were are the best that North America has to offer, then I, I think we could say the same thing we say about G2. Like, who's pushing the region forward? Where, what do you see... I mean, we saw the third place game, obviously, and that series was incredibly sloppy as well. Like, is there a team that's going to push this forward, or do we just have to pray that double lift alone can be the savior of the region?
0: I'm going to go back to just this reoccurring point and reoccurring thought I have in my head of Western fans, we need to give up on international events. Mm. We're, like, let, let, let's be brutally honest for like 10 minutes here. Yeah, we're never going to win an international event where a top-tier Korean team shows up. Mm-hmm. Like as long as SKT and KT and Samsung exist as brands, as building blocks as they're just so far ahead of us in everything. And it's not it's not something magical. It's not like something magical where they're Korean so they're automatically better. They just they just know it better. They know mm-hmm. esports talent scouting better. They know how to uh create a structure that works for their players in terms of training in terms of nutrition in terms of all this stuff they've been doing this forever like we're still we're still in year four of having a structured league for our players to play in a consistent tournament system for our players to play in. like they're decades ahead of us they had brood wars yeah like, Europe, Europe is a little different because they've had Counter-Strike for a long time, but they even weren't at, like, the level of, like, uh, of Korea where it's super strict, like, in-gaming houses, practice schedules. Like, you hear Richard Lewis tell stories about the old, like, 1.6 days, and they're like, yeah, it's just like, you know, playing, like, you know, community center rugby where we go out, all go out for a pint before the game, we win our series, we go back to the pub and drink another pint, like... That's not, that's not playing a video game like, professionally for, for money like that. That's like, yeah, I play it in my off time because I enjoy it and there happens to be tournaments and I happen to make money at it. That's kind of mm-hmm. like how I gamble. It's like how I gamble on the LCS. I don't make my living off of gambling off the LCS and constructing models every single day and trying to figure out where I can game the system. Like our friend Steve Kaffmeyer or like the fine folks at Unicorn. Like that's not my job. I do it as a hobby and when I win, I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. And when I lose, I'm like... It's okay, whatever. What did I really lose? Like this is a hot. Right. This is for fun. Like we're not going to beat Korea because we're not there with the infrastructure. Like we <laughs> have to import that entire system over here, and it just it's not going to happen. Because there was a very interesting discussion that's happened in um, in CSGO over the last couple of days, and Thorin did a video on it where it, it had to be about. It was like North American CSGO players shouldn't be focusing on their brands. They shouldn't be streaming. Like, oh, if North American CS players want to be successful, they just need to play the game. They need to stop worrying about YouTube videos and streaming and all this other jazz. You just need to play the game. Guys, that's not what North America is about. North America is not about winning. It's about making money. That's the American dream is to make freaking money. We want to be rich. Like, sure, having titles is awesome. But you want to know what's even better? Having a Lamborghini. (laughs) <laughs> like I can't drive. I can't drive a trophy out there and like pick up girls with a trophy. A trophy's mm. not gonna do that. A freaking Lambo is. A well, nice... I'm pretty
1: sure chicks dig yellow. At least that's what the internet tells me.
0: Like I don't even. I don't even, <laughs> even want to make jokes about it. Like let's be serious. All these guys are focused on branding. Are focused on how do I make more money? And like winning a title is great, and that brings prestige in the region. But what's better is I can go stream for 10 hours a day. Like, I'm a cutie pie. He stopped playing because he wanted to make money. Right. Uh, you look at Summit, one, uh, one, Summit over in CSGO. He's not, gr- like, he's a good player. He's a really solid player and can probably hang with a lot of those professionals. But he makes a shit ton of money. And that's just North America. Look back way in season two. The greatest mistake in League of Legends history that has ever happened was Counter Logic Gaming going to Korea for the first season of OGN. That is the biggest mistake that has ever happened in League of Legends because they completely lost, uh, lost North America to TSM. People will be like, oh, well, I'm still a CLG fan from back then. Yeah, does anybody else remember how long TSM just completely dominated the fan base? And if Cloud Nine hadn't happened, which jokes aside, probably would have been a second TSM team if Riot would have let it happen.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like until Cloud Nine happened and just won a bunch of titles, winning a bunch of titles didn't endear the Cloud Nine team to fans. What endeared them was being friends, was being right. another group of streamers that they could watch, was seeing all the funny stuff, was listening to i uh, was listening to Medios and Sneaky say, you know, thanks for subscribing, welcome to my butthole. <laughs> Like that's what yeah. build their fan base. Winning a title doesn't give you twenty thousand viewers on Twitch every single night. It being right. a brand and being a personality does. And I just think I just think North America needs to realize we're not very good at this whole esports thing, but we're really, really good at marketing and branding. And we need to just go all in on that. And that's just gotta be what we do. Yeah. I mean, it goes back
1: to the same point we were making about G2. Winning is not enough to be popular. Like what do people love? Well they love They love TSM because they love Bjergsen as a personality. They love Wild Turtle as a guy that just fights all the time, and he'll flank in and be frontline on Ash. And we'll joke about that being the most awesome thing we've ever seen, even though we know objectively that's a terrible play that should almost never happen. Like We care about Jensen and Sneaky and and all of these guys as individuals, and we watch their streams individually and kind of see those moments. And when people really want to see good play, well they watch Faker stream or they watch Korea. And you know, if you if you look at the region from that lens, if you say, Well, what we want are exciting games, are fun games, well then Cloud Nine versus TSM Game Five lives up to that. I think that it certainly was exciting. There was both sides had clear moments in which they were ahead. It had big momentous team fights that shifted the game. We had big carry performances from both star mid laners. And it all came down to whether my boy Echo could hit R in a team fight, and because he didn't, they lost the entire game. And, you know, as an analyst, I look at that and say, well, that's a silly mistake for Jensen to make. And then once that happens, why are you committing so hard to this? Why are you, you know, there's a clear lack of understanding of like, how, you know, how much was that Elder Dragon really worth at the end of the day? Probably not very much. That fight was probably never worth it in the first place. Or you could look at it and say, Man, that was a cool team fight. Like, what a big moment. All the flashing colors happened, and then the Cloud Nine guys fell down, and the TSM guys were still standing, and that's great. And, you know, that's all that matters. The combos went off, the players did the big moments that we want them to hit. And, you know, some people just want to play the hits again, and that's fine. If that's what you enjoy, if you watch the series and you said, this was exciting, this was fast paced, I mean, you can't really say that because the early game was too slow. So, Really, I'm not even sure it lives up to that margin. But, you know, from 15 minutes on, you could say that there was a lot going on and that the action was at least interesting and there were fun moments individually, and maybe and that's be enough. you'd
0: completely wrong because this was a terrible series of <laughs> League It was a f- terrible series.
1: Excuse me. I'm going to make you go back and bleep that out. My apologies. But it was a terrible series. I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. I just... At the same time, I understand that there are fans who went through this and said, you know what? This was exactly what I wanted. TSM and Cloud9 went to five games. We got to have the LCS script the way we wanted, and and that's enough. And if that's enough for you, then shout out to you. I'm glad that makes you happy. I'm glad you're able to get enjoyment out of this. But man, this was ugly. Man, this was just... From from a person who was a fan of League of Legends more than an individual team... I, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know where... I don't know where to stand on it, because it's certainly not the game and the style of play that I'm used to getting excited about and and getting invested in. Um, I mean, where do you think we go from here competitively? Is there any... Do do you believe... I mean, you make it sound like we should just ignore competitive entirely, go full-on personalities, but let's say... For whatever reason, TSM, at least they always say this in interviews, they care wh- about doing well internationally. They care about having those moments. If they do care, and we do believe that, what's the next step? Is there a next step?
0: I mean, they made that next step last summer, and they choked on the international stage. There was all this hype built up on them. There's all this discussion of they, they cut streaming. They stopped streaming. They did all these things to you know, solely focused on just winning the game. And the problem is, like, you did it for one split. Korea's been doing it since season three. Like, you're so far behind in that regard. Like, I don't know what's next. I I honestly don't. I have no faith in North America or Europe, honestly, for ever really being truly competitive at an international event. Um Like, we look at how H2K got to the semifinals. They they got in a pretty solid group that, you know, the the second spot was up for grabs. Anyone could have gotten out of that group in that second seed, and H2K did. And then they got paired up against an international wildcard team. Like, they got the luckiest draw in that quarterfinals that they possibly could have. And then they got curb stomped in Madison Square Garden, live in front of our faces. We saw the the crucifixion of forgiven on the international stage at the hands of Ruler. Like, we saw that happen live. We cannot unsee that. That still haunts my nightmares. We
1: had the candlelight vigil with all our phones going in the background.
0: It was to the point
1: where we were booing the rioters. Like, hey, no flash photography during the games. Like, I've never seen the flash photography person get booed before. But the entire stadium was like, man, this is pointless. And the West sucks. And I hate everything about it. Like, there's just... It's tough because you have the, the frustration of people who want the region to be good. And then you have the vast majority of teams and I'd say fans that don't care as long as the players that they like are doing well and are fun. Like, like I, I know I just with, with
0: G2, it's just like, oh, yeah, you know, it, you know, what does a regional title mean? But it's different. Europe just, to me, lacks the branding aspect that, t- that North America does. Like, other than Unicorns of Love, what teams in Europe have personality?
1: Fnatic. Fnatic
0: h2k to a certain extent H2K, is- h2k h2k and unicorns will have super huge like branding personality aspects where you want to you're invested in that team right but like fanatic is just because they've been around forever you're not invested in that team because of their personalities or anything they're very muted in terms of what their personalities are other than Soaz. but even Soaz's the split was quiet yeah, like he well, didn't Soaz do anything is- crazy this split
1: yeah, I mean, so isn't Caps have a personality? It's just
0: that, that personality is, is kind of being an asshole. Like, you, so <laughs> like you brought it up. G two, you have Mythi going out there begging people to like them because they work really hard. Like, you don't have that in North America. North yeah. America, people are gonna care about TSM. People are gonna care about Cloud Nine. People are gonna care about uh, about CLG. You have FlyQuest. Everyone cared about them just because it's high. Like, I right. has a personality that – he's a very charismatic person. Yeah, Ding, you know, over in Dignitas, they did a lot of stuff with the the 76ers to try and build out those players, especially Someday. Get to know who Someday is. He does a lot of streaming, a lot of interviews, like, all that kind of stuff. Like, that's what NA focuses on is they're, like, we're going to do all this branding stuff. We want to make you care about our team. We want to build a personality that you – you're invested in team liquid did a freaking reality tv show where they did an hour and a half long documentary about their like terrible season from hell like to to introduce you to the team to be like this is what happens going on behind the scenes and sure it was it was definitely shot in a way to make you think and feel certain ways but like i don't see europe doing that i don't see korea doing that i don't see china doing any of that like north america at its core is 100% about the branding, about making you care about the organization and players inside that organization and making you want to buy t-shirts and making you want to buy jerseys and making you want to do all that stuff. And I don't see another region on the planet that cares about that. I don't see another region on the planet that really makes you want to... In terms of English. In terms of English audience. I think LPL and LCK do that to their audiences I don't care. I'm not one of those audiences. I am an English-speaking audience, so I care about North America and Europe. And I don't see, But I don't see LCK. Like, we had this entire thing where the, the Tigers were like, oh, yeah, we're going to build up this like, worldwide kind of branding aspect and, and you know pitch to an English-speaking audience. And during Worlds, they had like an English Twitter and all this other stuff. And then the team blew up, and look at all those plans. They miraculously disappeared. Rocks yeah. Tigers did not try to expand into the English-speaking market. It all disappeared. Like, huh, it's weird how that happens. Yeah, but, well, I mean, and to be fair, like, if
1: you're not a local region, well, the only way that you're gonna get the West to care about you is if you're really good. And if you're really good, then you don't nearly have to put what, in the same level of effort. But
0: what team gets their name chanted no matter where the hell you are? Well, SKT. No. TSM. No, don't bullshit me here. It's I, TSM. You, yeah, go, to ra- you go to a random to... live event in Turkey... And they'll be chanting TSM as a meme. That's true. Like, it happens. You have two random international wildcard teams playing on a stage, and you get TSM being chanted. Like, that's the power that North America has, right there, is that we can make people around the world care about our brands, and they don't have to win tsm hasn't won a champion a world championship cloud9 hasn't won a world championship high hasn't won a world championship and you have people that love high or hate high or are gonna threaten to kill him because he made some comment about some well a k-pop band video game i don't know what it was but he had like an article written about him where it was like he badmouthed something and the entire korean population was like (gasps) traitor and like everybody had an opinion about him like Europe, you don't have an opinion about all these teams. That's what Heck and I talked about. So I think North America just needs to double down and go, we're not going to win any international events, so let us put a jersey in the hand of every player. Like, that should be North America as a region's goal, is that every single person in North America that plays League of Legends should own one of those teams' jerseys. Like, that is the, the challenge that I'm issuing to the LCS teams in North America Put a jersey in the hand of every single child in North America. NALCS 2020. Yes. Yes, yes, indeed. I I
1: think that's fair. I, I think at some point you have to recognize that even if you did want to go all in the way that TSM did last summer, the rest of the region has to be willing to go all in with you. You need scrim partners who are willing to practice as hard as you are. You need players. Everybody needs to be able to buy in and convince themselves that, yes, this is the number one best, most important thing. And I think you made the argument, and I agree with it, that I don't think winning an international event is going to be the best thing for the region. I think that the best thing for the region is for this regional play to continue to bring people in. Say what you will about the quality of the game. A lot of people were watching a lot of people tuned in to see Cloud9 versus TSM. Those exactly. view numbers went very well. And if you're in Europe, I, I think it's only a matter of time before they realize they need to do the same thing. We don't have a lot of streaming personalities per se um, locally, You know, as far as the, the English speaking stuff goes. There are players who do very well in their language. You know, We have some German streamers, some Spanish streamers who really inspire a lot of love in that end. Origin surprisingly has fans in Spain, because they still have ex and they still have some other, you know, that Spanish organization influence does matter. But I, I think that at the end of the day, you're just going to have to find a way to make people care. And if you're relying on winning international competitions to do that, well, we might be here for a while. And G2 is finding that out the hard way, though. I don't know. May- maybe... If you want to get optimistic, uh, if you're a person like me who wants to believe that these regions can be both entertaining and competitive, uh, the hope is that eventually you get enough talent concentrated on these individual teams that can show up and perform that you can carry that momentum going. But I feel like success on that end will almost be a byproduct of what they're really focusing on, which is building an org that people will care about. And if they happen to be successful on the way, great. But if they're not, TSM's still going to be TSM, and that's never going to be a bad thing for them.
0: Well, Chase, we just finished talking about North America and Europe, so talking about secondary regions that will never win a title that no one should ever care about.
1: Well. This is what I was gonna say. If you're a wild card region, then the only way people are gonna give a crap about you is if you're good. They're in a completely different position. We've got eight regions here that are all gonna be trying to win the hearts and minds of people, and most of them will fail miserably. But true. a couple of these will catch on and will, you know, make big moments. We've had players like, uh, like Kira, you know, end up becoming. Kind of, yeah, look, like there are players who become memes that survive even if the team isn't necessarily
0: great. So, uh, is it LeP, the Brazilian top laner Lep. that was the, the the meme face? That's like 016 and one, like ah, uh, just just fantastic. And Chase, we yes. watched two regions last night together. We we did, we did. some VOD review together. But you are gonna flex a little bit more hipster cred here because you've you've done a bit of a deeper dive into the international wild card scene. So, uh, just, just real quickly before we, you know, end the podcast and have to actually go watch these games this weekend if you want to torture yourself, I suppose. Uh, let, let's just look at the two groups and, and you know, what, what are your thoughts on Group A? Group A includes the Dire Wolves from Oceania, uh, Rampage from Japan, Red Condis from Brazil, and Supermassive Esports from your old stomping ground of Turkey. Yes. So, just what, what are some quick thoughts about this, uh, about this group?
1: Well, I, I'm going to say that Group A is pretty stacked. I would say across the board, if you're looking at you know the Pool Two teams, uh, Japan and Oceania would have been the two you pointed to as the most likely to surprise people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the greatest potential to surprise people, and they're both in this group. So you have four teams, all of whom are relevant uh, in terms of winning Group A. Any one of these. I think could come out on top in a perfect world maybe rampage would be a a bigger shock but any of the other three could do it and it wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world I think the Brazil has to have the advantage I I think that you're looking at talkers you know the former INTZ guy uh, is mid laner he's been a joy to watch nowadays Uh, they also have uh, substitutes you know in that mid lane position with Yoda who is a huge personality when it comes to streaming He's got that if you've ever got watched on YouTube and you've seen that uh, that FON meme the the phone meme, That's him. He's that popular that that entire YouTube has just gotten taken over by people who just want to you know make Yoda memes you've got BRTT the famous hard-carrying AD carry, but they also have Sacy who's this guy that you probably don't know very well, but is a great team fighter and is fun to watch. Dioud, the French support, has played with BRTT before. Great playmaking support. His thrush is incredible. Um, he's going to continue to be that kind of roaming presence. And Napon is a great counter-jungling jungler. He, he will go into the enemy team, get early deep wards down, and he will mess with what you're trying to build throughout the entire early game. So I, I think that they're the favorites. I think Supermassive certainly has, you know, good moments. I, I think that SoMajd, Naru, Dumbledodes, they're still the same team that they've been, mm-hmm. but that team is still very good. I think that Wolves have a lot of really strong solo lanes. And if Shernfire can play well, they love to play around him in the early game. They love to use him to get ahead. No,
0: no, 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 I'm I'm not getting sucked into this this bowl again. Because okay. every time we have an international wild card event, it's Oceana this, Oceana that. They're so great. They're so great. They're so great. And then they take a dump on the bed. I'm I'm no. That's- Do not try to sell me on Oceana until they actually accomplish something. I'm I, I think Shirtfire is a fantastic player. But yeah. Oceana is a region, do, do not try to sell me on them until they actually accomplish something internationally. Not going to happen. They are the G2 of the wildcard regions. I mean, that's
1: fine. My one counterpoint will be that the only team we've ever seen from Oceana is Chiefs. So you can't say that it's a regional problem so much as a team problem. I guess you could argue, well, then why wasn't anyone able to beat Chiefs previously? But now someone did, and did so definitively. The Dire Wolves were by far the best team in Oceana this year. Uh we have to hope that that comes through. If they fumble again, well, then, you know, Oceana is who we were afraid they would be. But certainly I, I think that all of these teams have strengths to them. I think that Brazil takes it ultimately, but I think that it's definitely uh, the top of the table. Three of those four teams are going to be very competitive against each other. And I just feel bad for Rampage because if they were in Group B, I feel like they'd have a much better chance to finally surprise some people. Japan has been getting a little bit better every split, and it's just unfortunate that we're not going to likely see a chance for them to show that off.
0: Who do you, who do you think wins Group A?
1: I go Red Cannons. Red I Cannon? think Brazil's really good, and I think that they look like the most complete team right now. I think Brazil could walk into the in North American scene, for instance, and be a playoff team and be a, a, an interesting dark horse. I, I, I don't think they'd be a favorite, obviously. I think we're at the point now where we realize that even with the massive fan base that they have, and the, the, just the large player base, uh, they haven't proven that they can consistently be that top tier style team at uh, that level, but they're still very good. And I think this is the smartest team we've seen from Brazil in a while. So I'm looking forward to seeing them perform. I think they're going to take it.
0: Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, we'll move on to Group B, which you said seems to be the much weaker of the, of the two groups. Uh, they have Iserus Gaming uh, from Latin America South, Leon Gaming from Latin America North, uh, Marines Esports from the Southeast Asia region, and Virtus Pro from CIS. Chase, just some quick thoughts on Group B.
1: Yeah, I don't know what to think about Group B. I mean, you watched the Virtus Pro games with me last night. Do you feel good about Virtus.pro?
0: Pro? I mean, I don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't feel great about Virtus. Pro, but at the same time, like, it's Russia. Like, it was just a blood... Like, we thought that the TSM Cloud9 games were sloppy and bloodbastic. Like, that was kind of VP versus Vivektis, was. It was a very, like, kind of brutal, let's try and kill people as much as we can style of play. But that's just Russia for you.
1: Yeah. So... But there were also at least several moments where we said the phrase, how do they lose this? No, seriously, yeah. how do they lose this? Oh my God, how do they lose this? They are capable of making very big mistakes. And that's something when I look at, you know, who's going to win the group that worries me. Marines Esports, I, I don't know, man. Um, that-, that region is just very lopsided right now. Uh, they won uh, their games in a combined 60 minutes. That's right. It was a three game series of-, of a best of five in which they won by 30 minutes. 22 minutes and then 18 minutes it's absurd it it wasn't close and i guess you could make the argument like hey well maybe they had better talent against them in vietnam well guess what they 3-0'd that series as well so i'm just not sure that the level of competition they've gone up against uh has necessarily tested them in any meaningful way uh gaming they they like to fight a lot that's that's all I have to say about <laughs> this gaming. There There's not really any uh, cohesion strategy to it. You know, it's it's very much they like to fight a lot, and most of the time in their region they're good enough that they can get away with it. But I'm not sure. I, I feel as strongly that they're going to be able to do so here. And then, Leon Gaming is really the the dark horse here, right? They they went six and one in the group stage, last split, which was absolutely shocking. We hadn't seen anyone from Latin America North perform even close to that level before, but The split before that, they were one and six. So which which team are they? I don't know. I I think that they certainly have the potential to surprise things. White Lotus is still really good at the AD carry position. He's still really fun to watch. Genthix is still a playmaker. Um, I'm just not sure whether it's going to come together as a whole. It's, It's another region where I'm not sure I trust the quality of opponent that they've had to go up against so far. It was pretty lopsided,
0: uh, both of the series that they played. So, we'll see. So, so which which team gets fed to fed to Flash Wolves then?
1: I don't know, man. Like it's <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's really just. Gun like, to your head. Pick one of the four. Come on.
1: Marines esports. GPL's done it before. They're a a solid region. I, I think that. Maybe it's just that they have this one super good team, and they're just gonna they're just gonna keep on doing things. They of the four, I, I think they're the ones I have the least number of macro questions about. It's just that I, I don't know if I've had to ask any questions because so far they've been so far and above their opponents that it's not really a relevant thing to have to worry about. So I, I don't know, man. I, I think that Group A has three teams that I could genuinely see. Giving TSM a run for their money. And I'm not sure any of the teams from Group B could do the same. So it's just kind of unfortunate that this is how it broke down, but it means that we have very interesting groups, right? Group A is going to have a lot of talented teams. Group B, someone's going to surprise us. Just by definition, somebody has to surprise us. Please, oh, please, somebody surprise us. I ain't too proud to beg.
0: Uh, it's not surprising that I'll select Virtus Pro because they have one Ukrainian player on their roster. Yeah. That is why. Go Paranoia. Make me proud.
1: That, that is as good a reason as anything else when it comes to Goofy.
0: That's very fair. <laughs> well, I, I hope we made you guys proud because uh, I certainly was not proud of our gambling during the finals week. Uh, we, we got one out of six of our bets correct, and that was the five maps uh, for TSM over Cloud9. I don't want to look at the final numbers because I don't care. All that matters is uh, it's over with, and we don't have to gamble on favorites anymore. Anyway. Listen, after the regular season, we talked about this in Europe that Europe just didn't have underdog's win and it was something like 11 times an underdog won. 6 of them were rock out on their crazy run and 2 of them were H2K or were unicorns of love over H2K. Europe was yeah. really hard to gamble in. So, we ended in the negative there. I don't remember by how much, but we ended in the negative there.
1: Enough. Um, we were in the negative enough.
0: <laughs> and and in North America, we ended up in the positive. I I'm, I'm like 99% sure we ended up in the positive. So uh we we will go back into the LCS in the summer and we will hopefully have learned from how our spring went and uh maybe we just got to gamble on more favorites. Maybe maybe that's just what it's got to be is more favorites in Europe because that was that was pretty definitive uh how how terrible gambling was in Europe. Yeah. Yeah. It
1: was uh it's a thing. I mean honestly at some point you just have to recognize that uh, there are tiers of teams for a reason. The good news is we're going to have fresh blood, at least. I don't know where Misfits Academy and Fnatic Academy are going to land, mostly because I don't know which of those players are going to still be around and which ones will get moved up to their main rosters yeah. before they have to sell the spot. Okay. Uh, Kickus, I believe, should move up to Fnatic.
0: He has already tweeted out that he has entertaining offers, so... Huh. Him and Clyde. Um. Just, just gotta say.
1: Okay, Fnatic. <laughs> sure. <laughs>
0: Fine. Okay. Whatever. I don't
1: even care. I don't even care. I don't even. I don't
0: even care. <laughs> I don't even know you have. I don't you just know. have this this love for Kickus that you want him on Fnatic's main roster and. Uh, he
1: hard carried throughout that entire playoffs. He's really good. What are you? What do you mean a weird fixation? I just watched I mean, him play. He's I mean, a really good top leader. I mean, he's so yeah, yeah, consistent you know,
0: as hell. Yeah, but what? I don't. You don't want him on Fnatic. You want him on some other team where he'll be super successful and you know.
1: No? I like him on Fnatic. I think he'd be a fine fit for what they're doing! I, whatever. Fine. Yeah, sure. Go to somewhere else, Kickas. Please, please be in the LCS again. I miss you. I miss watching you. I miss seeing your weird picks. I miss seeing you carry games on a stage that matters. Like, please. Please! Come on! Somebody realize that he's a good player! I don't know how we're still having this debate! He, Whatever, fine. Let's well, just, let's just I, hope, I hope I hope somebody
0: I hope somebody realizes this has been a podcast, and Chase has officially broke himself. He is incensed that uh, that Kickers can't get onto an LCS roster. Just absolutely, just absolutely destroyed. Thank,
1: thank God we get to see SoS for another split. That's a oh, guy that yeah, clearly like oh, yeah. high ceiling. We don't, you know, we have no idea who he is. Not. Well established as a, a criminally flawed player at all, it certainly wasn't a liability when you played GT. I'm, I'm well, if you want
0: more of this Soaz versus Kickus rant, Chase, where can the good folks at home find you on Twitter?
1: I'm at Redshirt King. I am. I love talking to you guys, and I will check all of the comments here. So if you know, let's keep the conversation going. I, I, I don't know, man. We've got a, a, a lot of question marks around these regions as a whole. A lot of question marks going into the off season, which we're going to be following that. We're going to be following MSI, so certainly uh, you're going to want to stick around. We've got plenty of things that are going to well, be... Well, you'll be
0: following MSI. Oh. I'm, I'm at C80s underscore LOL, and uh, I don't care about MSI. So I'll probably catch the games where I can so I can do the podcast. Um, but if you want hot takes... Uh, the hottest of takes will be coming from me about how it's a worthless event. And God, I'd wish season two. Isn't that fair? That's exactly what you expect from me. You're the Lines champion. Drink it in, man. And until next time, we'll be back next week to actually discuss the real opening round of MSI because I don't care about International Wildcard. Sorry, Chase. Enjoy this weekend, everybody. And until next week, goodbye, Internet. Hey there, Cades here. Thanks for checking out the podcast. And if you enjoyed today's episode, consider supporting us at www.patreon.com backslash roughdraftspod. For just a dollar a month, you can join your fellow listeners in our patron-only Discord channel and help keep the content coming or join our VIP club where a dollar a show or eight bucks a month gets you first priority on all patron content like our patron-only Q&As. And check us out on all of our social media, Twitter, at Rough Drafts Pod, Facebook.com backslash Rough Drafts Pod, SoundCloud.com backslash Esports Rough Drafts, as well as on iTunes and YouTube by just searching for the Rough Drafts Podcast. Thanks for listening, and goodbye, Internet.